This March, I'll be launching a special run of episodes called Theory in the Flesh. I borrow the term Theory in the Flesh from and with gratitude to our feminist and QTPOC elders to draw attention to the health inequalities and disparities experienced by queer black people in the UK. Theory in the Flesh is made possible because of funding from the British Podcast Awards Fund and the Wellcome Trust, and they have created a survey to better understand listener appetite for health and research-related podcast content. I would be so grateful if you could take a few minutes to fill out the survey. Alongside showing support for Busy Being Black, you'll be able to enter yourself into a draw for tickets to this year's British Podcast Awards. Head to podcastviews.com to fill out the anonymous and data-protected survey. Busy Being Black is the podcast exploring how we live in the fullness of our queer black lives. These are conversations at our intersections and an opportunity for us to hear firsthand from others in our community how they have learned and are learning to thrive. If you like what you hear, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so lets others like us hear the voices amplified here. Liv Little is the founder and tour de force behind Galdem, an online and print magazine written by women of color and non-binary people of color for all to explore. Today, we're in conversation to discuss the genesis of Galdem and how she's learned to separate herself from the business she's built. We explore how Galdem is helping women and non-binary people of color navigate our fraught political moment and why she and the team at Galdem published I Will Not Be Erased, a project offering words of wisdom to their teenage selves. She discusses baking, feeding people she cares for and falling in love with writing again, and how she stays focused on Galdem's ultimate mission of revolutionizing the publishing industry. She explores living life unafraid to love, and how she's unlocked the little box she put away when she was 16 after having her heart broken. I'm Josh Rivers, and I'm busy being black with Live Little. So we're in quite a fraught political mo- mm-hmm. moment, mm-hmm. Um, and again, not new, right? We no. kind of stay in a constant state of political crisis. But like worse than it's ever been. It feels <laughs> for like our it. generation. For our generation, yeah. it certainly feels like it. And Galdem is obviously this hugely important and influential and impactful platform that that you launched. How is Galdem responding to the political environment in the UK at the moment? Mm-mm. Um. Well. We have plans to run, I guess, specific content um, around the election, especially kind of explaining... Well, we've done this actually in the past around Brexit, kind of explaining how that explicitly impacts our core, I guess, audiences and demographic, because it's really hard to cut through the noise mm-hmm. and, and to understand where all, where all of that lies. And we're also planning um, an event or kind of series of events which will be announced soon um, around the general election, again, all with the aim of... Um, kind of passing passing down like accessible knowledge um, in a way that you might not get from other publications. It doesn't talk down to people, mm. um, but that tries to make things quite simple. Um, we've got like an amazing politics editor, Leah. So she's kind of leading on all of that side of things. And she does a really good job of making the politics section, I think, in Galdem. Yeah, it's not... it. It's straight to the point. It's not super scary or intimidating, and it speaks in a language and a dialect that should be accessible to most people. Um, and I think that's 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 the tone that we like to take across all of our content. And I guess not just the politics section is political. You know, like a lot of the content that we mm. produce is inherently political um, in a way. Well, but yeah, we're basically trying to encourage young right. people. Yeah, we're basically trying to encourage young people as much as we can to to get out there. 
and vote. Now is the time. So at UK Black Pride, we get asked all the time, you know, does UK Black Pride exist because mainstream pride organizations are doing something wrong? And I find this positioning very problematic mm, because it diminishes the necessity of UK Black Pride mm -hmm. by virtue of us being queer black people who have mm -hmm. something to celebrate mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. ourselves. Speaking about it outside of the framework of whiteness, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. And so I think that, you know, if mainstream pride organizations were more inclusive, we would still need a UK Black Pride, mm -hmm. right? There's always going to be a very specific need, audience, niche, what have you, that would make celebrations like UK Black Pride and indeed Black Prides across the world necessary. And so I'm wondering if you feel the same about Gyaldem, right? We know yeah. that media is like 96% white, yeah. even if it was 50-50. <laughs> mm -hmm. I imagine Gyaldem would still be necessary. Yeah, I think it's we're in an interesting position because a lot of the reason as to why I wanted to set up Gyaldem in the first place was because there weren't spaces where I felt I could connect with other people. And that, I guess, does directly link to the fact that in mainstream media or whatever, uh, we weren't being um, spoken to as audiences in a way that wasn't stereotypical or presumptuous um, of our interests, our needs, our thoughts, our feelings. They kind of would try to group all people of color into under one bracket, which is yes. absolutely um, impossible, right? Mm. Um, I think, yeah, like you say, it will always be important that a space like Galdem exists. But, and and our kind of core mission is to revolutionize the, the publishing industry. It's, you know, we're doing things on our own terms. And I think that there has been a knock-on effect from the work that we're doing that I can see in in publications. Some publications maybe that we've worked with, others, you know, that we haven't in terms of the topics that they're now commissioning. It's not it's not solved at all. But you can see, and, and, and I can't say, oh, you know, we can take full credit for everything, every bit of progress that's happened, but I like to think that we've been, like, a part of that or a catalyst or, like, a part of the, the change that's very, very, very slowly happening. And um, there are still lots of issues. But I do agree with, with what you're saying in the sense of being able to speak about the work that we're doing outside of this um, framework, which brings it back to whiteness and, 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 and centering whiteness. And, yeah, I... You know, you use the statistics statistic that um, journalism in, is, not, I think it's 94% white and 55% male. So, yeah, Galdem is going to need to exist for, for a long, <laughs> for a long time. You know, there's lots of work to be done. And it's institutionalized as well. So, like, none of this is going to happen overnight or even in our lifetime. We can see, like, bits of change. But, mm -hmm. you know, we don't do the work to see the immediate impact. We do the work for the hope that like, it's better for the next generation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we're, we're trying to reduce however many hundreds of years of, of inequality, it's a lot. So what keeps you going, right? Because mm. the, the long-term, I know for me personally, the long-term is so hard to keep in mind. Mm. <laughs> I wanna see everything right now slash yesterday. And so how do you keep yourself motivated when you're not seeing, because it's very frustrating, right? Mm particularly working in media mm. and in, in queer media in some ways, when to see people doing it so wrong, but then also maybe not to see your work recognized as it should be mm. or your writers not recognized as they should be or ideas that you've started being copied by other people. Mm -hmm. And how do you keep yourself going? How do you keep the, the big, the, the long term in the frame, in your mental frame? I think I'm quite good at, at having this, this like dream big mentality that's kind of 
in my nature. And sometimes it means that I get these really big ideas that probably aren't like the most practical. I'll, I'll often come back to the office and I can see Mariel kiss me that look like, oh my God, Liz, like, <laughs> calm down. Um, but I think I'm very fortunate in the sense that I come into work and I and I work in an environment and I'm filled in an office with all of these amazing um, voices and ideas and people and and um, that is very different to any other media kind of job that I've had. I feel like being in that space is enough to kind of propel you and to push you forward and to keep you wanting to do what it is that you want to do. And the fact of the matter is, we're, we I guess you know we're very fortunate because we've been able to do some quite landmark. I don't know, takeovers or events or things that you can really see. And I think um, that that kind of stuff, I, especially if I look back to the Guardian takeover or the V&A, those are moments that I can always pull from. I can always look back to. I can always think, wow, this is necessary. Yes, it's worth, you know, the hard work that, that comes with it. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm not so cynical yet. <laughs> and then maybe in 10 years I will be more cynical but for now I'm full of energy and and hope and determination to 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 grow Galdem and to become this global force you know what is the the dream for Galdem um yeah it's to it's to become a global platform um a global media company that has bases in different places that continues to commission groundbreaking work from women and non-binary people of color um it looks like lots of different arms of content. It looks like more podcasting, um, TV, uh, video production. It also, yeah, we're launching something next year. It <laughs> looks yeah. like that. Um, but the, 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 the bigger vision, it's huge. It's huge, you know. Um, we're in a very exciting space and, and time and, and now is the moment to kind of, to make that happen, you know. So when you speak about your dreams, right? These kind of big, grandiose ambitions. And I also think that ambitions and dreams are not the same thing. But, you know, these kind of, this big, grandiose vision that you have for the future, right? Because it is a big undertaking, right? To, I'm going to, we are going to revolutionize media, mm. right? Uh, how does it feel to say, like, when was the first time you said that? Because obviously, I imagine, like mm. me, you thought the dream, you had the dream, but it took you much longer to actually say what that dream is because mm -hmm. it felt so big. It's interesting, actually, because I think it was um, when me and Marielle were kind of pulling together our like media deck, like the new the new version of it this year, um, that 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 line or that marker was was added as our as our mission statement. Um, I think it's easy when you're doing lots of different things to 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 find it hard to kind of distill that into one core like mission statement. Totally. Um, but that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing on all levels and, and, and on all fronts. And I don't think, no, in year one and year two, I think to say, oh, you know, we're going to completely shake everything up. No, that wasn't necessarily something that I could have imagined oh, we'd start right. to be able to do. But I think the more Gaudam has grown, um, the more we've kind of been able to go from strength to strength. Um, that doesn't mean it's always easy. It's, it's challenging <laughs> as well. But um, yeah, the more that, that that idea of us just shaking everything up has, you know, become at the forefront of, of what we're doing. We're very much no bullshit in our approach, which is... So the dream has grown with the work. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I didn't, didn't like, oh. start to think in year one. I just thought, oh, this is great. Let's connect. Let's share stories. And then, yeah, it grew. And then, it you know, the business elements 
are there, the business planning development is there, then the investment is there, and then a full team in an office is there. But it's it's yeah. it's all it's it's relatively, I guess, organic. Now it's now it's mo- it's more strategic, I guess. Right. Um. But in the beginning, it was much more organic have you ever turned around and gone like looked and been like oh fuck yeah 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 sometimes i have that when we're in the office i like look around and i'm like oh look you're all here like i couldn't ever imagine that yeah when setting it up at uni that wow there'd be a team here in an office and i'm always like reluctant to have these these conversations that try to codify the entrepreneur's experience because mm. I think they can be a bit boring, right? And like, I don't know how much entrepreneurs really enjoy talking about step one, step two, step three. And there's so much more to us Mm-mm-mm. than setting up a business yeah, and yeah, hiring yeah. a team and learning mm. HR, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I am also very conscious that, you know, people who are listening to Busy Being Black mm. will be kind of in the beginning stages of dream building themselves, mm-hmm. right? And they will True. be thinking about the change they want to create in the world. And so maybe we can maybe we can try to drill down a little bit into the kind of genesis of of Gyaldem, right? Mm. Like how you went from thinking that you that you could even create something to like mm. what was that very initial first step you took? Um it was as simple as um having a vague concept, registering the name as a as a business. And then reaching out to people online, and then it was the community and the people that kind of were first interested or first, I guess, suited to the to the roles that we had um, that made it come to fruition. Mm. You know, it's all about the pe- people that you decide to build with, especially in with something like Galdem, which is about like this massive community. Um, and then I guess from the point of fantastic people and ideas involved it was just doing it was honestly just doing like thinking yes but but more just doing Mm. um and and you know with us it was as simple as you know registering a domain and etc etc finding a theme doing a website that looked not fantastic but we did it ourselves it was just a platform to share stories that wasn't like our primary focus at that point we also had beautiful illustrations so that 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 really brought the site to life because the basic site on its own wasn't wasn't much um and then i think it was maybe in year 3 that the business development side of stuff kind of kicked in after we'd built up a bit of a um body of work i guess um and it was too much to have a full-time job and also be running it um and then and then yeah it was a year it was a year of like spreadsheets and reading and researching and learning about business and then it was three months of raising money and then it was getting everyone in and figuring out all that lovely wonderful HR stuff (laughs) so that was a total of I guess yeah four years from four years from idea everyone just you know throwing in their time to business, full, full-time team, and how, some revenue. <laughs> and how are you responding to, how are you responding to, to younger people? Mm. I mean, you're still young, right? I mean, 25 is, is, is still... Yeah, bitch, I'm yeah. <laughs> 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 um, People will be looking to you for advice, mentorship, mm. and, and will be looking up to you. How are you handling that? I think... It's great. I think it's really it's really encouraging and wonderful to receive emails and messages and meet young people on the road who are like, oh, my God, I love 
Galdem. That's so, that's like, that's just, what? Yeah. That's amazing. That's who you want to have that coming from, you know? It's fantastic. And I think if, you know, a generation of um, people of color feel inspired and like they are able to do anything that they want to do and like they can take up space and, and, and be who they are, I think that's like amazing. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't view it as a, as a, as a pressure thing, I, I I have a responsibility to my audience and to my community, and and I, and I think I'm doing an, an okay job at that. But I'm also human, and I'm very open with the fact that I'm a human, and I'm still figuring things out. And I think the wonderful thing is that with our audience specifically, and and our community and our following, I think not. I think they they've been on this journey with us of course we know we, we we reach new people and we gain new audiences etc but but people have, have been able to like map the growth and I think that's something that's very special they they were with us when it was mm. like a sh little shabby little launch party four years ago they saw us when we I don't know we did that first big event with the VNA they saw when we did did um a thing with the Guardian they saw when we moved into our first office you know these are these are touch points. So so yeah, and and I think it's important that we are as open as possible about our journey and the things that we've had to go through. So if people are, have questions about the investment process or they have questions about like management, which is something that I'm like doing a, a year long course on because it's it's you know these are all these are all skills that you have to develop and you have to keep learning. Then absolutely, I'm happy to share what I've learned. So is there a difference between... And also learn from other people. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't have all the answers no. at all. <laughs> it's like a constant state. Yeah. Yeah. And always being open to learning as yeah. well. I think that's something I bump into a lot. Um, mm. And quietly. I don't, don't comment. It's none of my business. Mm. But you, you can see when other people are closed off to mm. learning. Mm, 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 and mm. those who are really open to it. Mm. They just they pull different people mm, towards it's them. It's true. So is the live... Is Galdem's Live Little... Mm and live little the person mm. are they the same um yeah they are the same i i'm very i i just i'm an emotional woman i wear my heart on my sleeve i feel a lot and yeah you know i i it's it, look it's really it's really important and it's really healthy that you know your business and you are not a one and i'm very deliberate and trying to be very deliberate in the fact that me as me the things that I like to do blah blah that's me and then the business is another thing that should be able to run in my absence that's a that's a business that's an entity that's something different um but in terms of how I approach like my personal life and how I approach business I mean there are there are different boundaries that you have to put mm. in place but in terms of like my core my soul whatever spirit energy the love that I put into it no it's very much the same mm. um and and it would be hard for it not to be given the nature of the work that we do that is yeah. so much about identity and like community um but there are different ways that you have to like bring yourself to work and i think i'm still figuring out mm. you know what is just live and what is oh ceo which is fine <laughs> you 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 make you you figure it out for yourself and there's it doesn't need to be some mad corporate situation at all that will never be me um but i guess yeah there are like boundaries and, and things that you've got to put in place to to like safeguard yourself and what do you put in place to safeguard yourself? <laughs> of course, you were going to ask me that. <laughs> I've walked into a trap. <laughs> um, um, to be honest, like since we've had everyone in office full time, it's um, enabled me to be able to put like boundaries in place in terms of the work, in, in terms of work. And I think 
it's the same for most of the people that are in the office um because before it would be an all i mean it isn't all consuming i have dreamt about gaunam many times i've i've um Taylor's told me that in my sleep I've said I'll reply to your email in the morning so so I'm thinking about it <laughs> like constantly um but because of the nature of how it was being run before where I had a full-time job and it was like sneaking moments and like thinking about it at all hours of the day and every element of your weekend and evening had to be consumed with that that's changed so even just having like a more normalized work schedule right. has has been has been a really good way for me to ensure that I have like clear boundaries and that sounds so basic but like something as simple as a well, hard. as a work day um, and and of course there are there are evenings when things run over there are the occasional weekend where you have to pick stuff up that's the nature of the the like media and and, and the work that we do but for the most part I'm I'm able to switch off now like I go home in the evenings and I bake last night I made a tiramisu it's fantastic like <laughs> So I love tiramisu. Yeah, it's my first time <laughs> trying it, but I love it. It's my favorite dessert. I, I should have bought you a slice. That's, That's really okay. Sad. Next time. Next time. <laughs> oh, um, I, I, you know, I love feeding people. Basically, I'm just trying to like have more time to put into the hobbies that Liv loves, and and that is cooking. That's having people over. That's feeding people. That's writing. Like I'm trying to fall in love with writing again. And I think when you're oh, doing course, all the business yeah. side of stuff, you you lose that. So I'm trying to still have my little personal things that I can do just to make me feel good um yeah figuring it out always though and then you know trying to do more exercise other than you know shocking my muscles on, <laughs> <laughs> on a Wednesday <laughs> I think there was a beautiful um you did a TED talk with Charlie. Charlie yeah and I think actually this kind of um the the mix of the personal and the political or the the linking of the yeah, personal and the political yeah. and the kind we of were really busyness well there was I, I noticed a beautiful moment when you said that you were kind of safeguarding and putting up boundaries i noticed you in your text message exchange, I think quite at, at Charlie, it was at the launch of the um, the print version. Yeah. And uh, she said, I can't come and join you yeah. because I'm concerned about the print. And you were yeah. like, lay down your tools. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was a really yeah. subtle and beautiful way mm -hmm. of saying you can you can lay down your tools. Yeah. You can relax. Yeah, she's, I think I it's think that leadership. Slightly, slightly um worse at getting off emails than me she'll say it's me but I think it's her but um that was interesting even the way that that TED talk came about because uh, I was asked to to do this TED talk right no actually I was asked to write an essay for a book for Nikesh's book and um I had this topic in mind I think I'd read about it before and I was really interested in how to explore it because I was living it I was like obviously rushing women of color syndrome this is a thing you know because they've got rushing women's syndrome and I was like but it's very it's very different and specific set of circumstances under which we feel as though we have to constantly be going at a million miles an hour anyway stressed I'm stressed because I've like overcommitted to everything and Charlie's like do you want me to do this essay with you like and I'm like oh please so we end up co-writing this essay um because I was so stressed and rushing and she kind of stepped in I'm sure she was already stressed and rushing anyway so we ended up writing this essay and then we asked for this TED talk so it kind of naturally fit that we do a TED talk about this thing because me and Charlie work very closely together mm. we're really good friends we also work together you know it's boundaries what are boundaries especially at that <laughs> point when we weren't official you look at the text messages stream and anyone else would be so stressed by probably me and charlie's style of communication but for us it's just fine like constant streams of you know that doesn't work for everyone and no, that's that's fine and you have to realize <laughs> that as well that other people might get really pissed off if you if you communicate with them 
I'm a voice noter. In the same way. Are you? Mm. Are you? Yeah. Mm. I'm getting into that a bit more. Now. Oh, it's just... I I've got a I think I've got a complex about my thumbs, but also I'm really impatient. Yeah. And so texting feels so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my thumbs can't go any faster. <laughs> <laughs> ah, let me just say it. Um. So so yeah, that's how that came about. And then yeah, I mean we were this was a while ago now. But we were exploring yeah the the specific I guess political social cultural climate under which we feel like we have to um work harder and it's not just we feel like we have to because we know that you have to work harder to be recognized but you know how much of that are we putting on ourselves how much of that is like being put on us by society and that's kind of what we were trying to explore and also again it wasn't the most well prepared for TED talk we were rushing to do it so I think we practiced it like once on brand yeah 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 yeah. we practiced (laughs) it like once before so that was um that was fun but yeah that's where that came from um so speaking of falling in love with writing Mm. um Galdem launched a book this year, or yeah, published a book. Published a book. This yeah, year yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, we worked with Walker Books, who do, who do all the Where's Wally and and all all of the children's books. They were our publisher, and yeah, we produced a book called I Want to Be Erased, um, which you can buy in all good bookstores, Waterstones, Amazon, whatever. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's it's fantastic, and it really came from an idea that Charlie had because she, of course, she's a very organized writer woman. Of course, she would have had diaries from when she was young until present day. Wow. Whereas me, scatty one, um. I could only pull up old Facebook messages. <laughs> so this is very like <laughs> apt. Um, but she, but she, yeah, she was really interested in this idea and we wanted to kind of subvert the idea of like letters to, to your younger self, which has been done quite a lot. And we wanted to, ex- to see what it would be like if we were directly responding to what we were writing at the age of 14, 15, 16, et cetera, um, in order to offer some words of wisdom and, and just comment on it, you know, and, and hope that that kind of aids for the next generation who, again, might not often see themselves represented in literature or just be going through mad stuff. So mine was about the, the first time I fell in love with a woman. Charlie's was about how she wanted to be a dancer and she didn't she didn't um, manage to get into the, I don't know if it was dance performance or dance school, as, as the rest of her friends did. And she was devastated and was like, well, I'll just become a journalist. And she became a journalist. Um, or, you know, uh, there's a there's an essay in there which is called The Boyfriend Box, which is all of these artifacts which had been gathered from different boyfriends in, in one of our contributors' teens. There's a piece about what happens on a night out when your friend almost dies from taking too many drugs like it covers a lot just like I hate my mum type stuff as well (laughs) um it covers a lot of different uh, different stuff and we didn't want to patronize young people as much as it's aimed at a wide audience lots of people read the book and lots of people are able to read the book it's just us sharing honestly and openly what we went through at that age um yeah was there anything that surprised you about yourself about going through some older diary entries or Facebook messages but I think I think (laughs) I think I I already know that I'm really dramatic like (laughs) after doing this I'm my body's already calmed down now after the EMS but I was like I'm gonna die (laughs) (laughs) something's wrong like my eyes twitching or my eye probably wasn't twitching um but yeah it was very dramatic and like again really wore my heart on my sleeve and I think I am I'm like that today um you know I was just gushing and telling this girl that I really liked her and you know just ah, oh, it, it, it changed me and now that it's ended I don't know if I'm you know this was fun but I'm not gonna date any more women like that's it and I like put that in a box for however <laughs> many years and it just kind of burst out but, um but yeah I think I think I just <laughs> reaffirmed that I was really dramatic and maybe like a little bit more insecure than I am now you know um 
but but dramatic yeah dramatic and slightly insecure <laughs> and did you know speaking of mm. um love did you do you identify as queer or lesbian or um i guess pass? queer lesbian yeah i don't i'm i yeah it's yeah, hard it was, isn't it because because these things are fluid but totally. i would but i would say i yeah queer lesbian i don't mind i just asked because the next question I want to ask, when did you know you were queer? Yeah, you can say queer. Yeah, fine. Okay, so when did you know... So you knew quite early on, rather, that you were queer. Yeah, I knew when I was 16 that I um, loved this girl, but I thought maybe this is a one-off or something. I don't know, whatever. Actually, no, I didn't think it was one-off at the time. I thought she was the person I was meant to be with. Forever. Forever, really dramatic. (laughs) Um, and, (laughs) And it didn't end very well, and I think I kind of, like, put that part of myself, like... I just said, I'm not going to deal with this. I had relationships with boys. Really didn't, never enjoyed, like, I've never enjoyed, like, being intimate with men, really, ever. Mm. Um, but I just thought, and at one point I thought, oh, my God, I must be, like, asexual, like, whatever, whatever. And then um, was in a relation, long-term relationship for, like, five years. And then we broke up. And then as soon as we broke up, I don't know, maybe it's because Gowden was at his prime. I was, like, feeling myself. and 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 it was, like, this new period in my life, um, moved back to London. But I was, I had this confidence and I just knew that like, I just wanted to date women. I knew that like, I couldn't repress this anymore. This was fine. This was, this was more than fine. It was, this is who I am. And so at that point when I was like, must have been like 22 or 23. um, I just, yeah, I just was like, yeah, let's go on all the dates and, and meet all the people. And what impact did that unleashing of yourself have? I call it an unleashing because, like, if you yeah. repress something, you let it out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And were there were, were, were there impacts of that unleashing across your life? Like, did, that confidence that you felt maybe yeah. to, you know, to, you know, be open with your sexuality or your desire for w- yeah. your women came about? I actually remember that. Do you know what? I feel, <laughs> I feel like this is so funny. I feel like at the, at the night of... um our VNA takeover. I feel like that like triggered something in me. It was like also I'd recently like I think it was the week I'd ended this like come out of this like five year relationship. It was a mutual thing, but that had ended anyway. And I and I was at that event and I just was like, wow, there are so many people of colour, so many queer people of colour. This is amazing. Like this is where I'm supposed to be. And I think it was that night. I remember asking someone out that I'd like really I'd had like a crush on at that event. But I think th- that I don't know, you know, when you're surrounded by 5,000, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. wow, um, amazing. What have I been doing? So, yeah, I think that was like the moment when I was like, okay, cool, live. Just be who you want to be. And what impact did that moment have mm. in other areas of your life? Mm. Did it? That's interesting. Um, I mean, it was very good for my sexual liberation. That was fantastic because <laughs> I'm not asexual. Um, I thought, like, I thought I had, I just determined that that I that I was because of you know experiences that I've had. Some negative, some just meh, like whatever. Um, so that was like that was a huge part, like learning my body and like what I like in a way that I had never done before which is like i'm not saying 22 is not old to 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 discover that but it would have been fantastic if you know when i'd started (laughs) being sexually active like i I had had the experience to explore that um 
like I remember one of my best friends telling me about like masturbation when I, we were like 16 and I was like, that's disgusting. Um, really? I was like, really like, how can you tell me that you do that? Um, <laughs> but she's always been quite like um, open. Mm. Um, I remember just being so shocked. Like, <laughs> like so, I don't know. Anyway, so, so, so yeah, all of that was, was being unraveled, undone, I guess, in this new phase of, of, of live. But, yeah, I think I just felt more free. I felt more open. I felt more confident. I felt like I had nothing to be ashamed of. And, mm. and, and I think that was really powerful. And obviously being surrounded by the communities that I was surrounded by and having things like babes, that was like a huge part of that. I was saying to Naeem the other day that that was the first like night. I think I'd been to maybe like one or two gay nights in Vauxhall when I was a teenager, but that was really the first time when I when I was in my adulthood, I guess, where I was surrounded by like all of these queer people. And it was I just felt safe. I felt at home. Yeah, I asked because I, I think we have very limited conversations mm. about our kind of sexuality awakening. Mm-mm. And then the, and I think particularly here in the West, we're always like, come out, come out, come mm-hmm. out. Like, that's how, that's how you tell everyone you're proud of who you mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to complicate that narrative yeah, to borrow yeah, yeah. a phrase from Janet Mock, mm-hmm. right? And I think there's so much more about our interior lives and about that process of liberation within mm-hmm. ourselves mm-hmm. that I think is far more interesting than whether or not you emblazon queer across your chest or wave a flag or what have you. And that I think is linked to our experiences as, as black people and as people of color. And so I, I, I'm just I'm asking for to for that reason, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily the coming up process, but what it does when we do that for ourselves. Mm, if mm. you can, it's hard to codify, I think, or to explain. It is really hard to to <laughs> explain. It just I, it was, and so much happened in that time for me. Like so much was happening. Like Gowden was happening, life was happening. Coming back to London, like starting a new career was happening being surrounded by all of these incredible people doing incredible work and I and I hadn't really had that that was happening so it was it was a lot at once it all kind of like blurs together as like one supported the other and and enabled that to happen um but like how magical you know Mm. how fantastic and I really do feel as though had I not had Galdem or had that not happened that you know it could have taken me a lot longer to to explore that side of myself to be open to that side of myself to have unlocked that little box that I put away when I was 16 because I got my heart broken you know <laughs> so sweet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so dramatic <laughs> again yeah <laughs> I'm never ever gonna love again <laughs> no that's literally when you like when you see the book that's literally what, what it says it's awful <laughs> so the tagline for Busy Being Black is mm. living in the fullness of our queer mm. black lives. What does a full life look like for you? Mm. Oh, wow. That's I've actually never asked anyone really, that question. That's really it, just, deep. it was you. You've mm. inspired me to ask that question. Fullness. What's a full life? I, I think it's being unafraid to love. And I, and I think that that, necess- that isn't necessarily like purely romantic. That's in your friendships. That's in your, with your, family if you've if you've got you know family that you're close to um that could be in a relationship sense but feeling feeling unafraid to my mum always says this she's like I really want you to I don't want you to fear vulnerability I want you to feel as though because it's because love is like for me anyway it's everything it's it's great you know um it's connections I I love I love Charlie I love my friend like I love my friends so deeply I love 
my other half. I love my grandma. I love my family so deeply. And, and, and having that love is, is so incredibly important. Um, it's also about experiences, you know, it's, I'm, I'm big on experiences on, on, um, whether that's through like feeding people and show them, showing them love with my, through my food or whether that's going out for a hike and just being in nature. It's, it's just, I and this is so cliche, but life is so short and like I lost someone really like close to me two years ago and that really did just hammer home the fact that you know um this was my stepdad so my the love of my mum's life basically and and she's even though she's had that experience she's like I don't want you to be afraid to like to, to to love and to be loved um you know that was her soulmate and I think he worked really hard and and when he was getting sick he sort of he would um tell me that it's, you know, it's important that I don't like work myself into the ground, you know, like work isn't everything, it's a part of it, but life is about loving and it is about experiences and it's about knowing that we're here for a limited amount of time. So so it's important to make, to make the most of that. And, and yeah, and, and for me to share my, the experiences that I'm able to have, I'm in a really exciting position that I get to try a lot of amazing things or be in amazing spaces and it's, uh, you know, bringing in my friends, my family, my little sister, showing her, showing her amazing things, you know, whether that's, I, I don't know, something as simple as taking her skating or it could be taking her to the, this exhibition. I took her to the Babes Graduate Art Show, oh. but just, yeah, she's 13. And I, I think it's, 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 it's great that, um, really important that, that, yeah, you know, you share space. So yeah, love, love and experience, I think are, are two things for me that, that would equal a, a full and happy life and I'm really happy to say that I feel as though I'm having great experiences and I'm loving and I feel loved as well mm. um I'm in a very fortunate position you know I'm I'm I've I've done some work I've, I've been going to therapy but I'm feeling pretty good in myself mm. at the moment I love the the um, the vulnerability aspect mm. because what Toni Morrison said love is divine and difficult always mm. right <laughs> and but you have to be vulnerable to get mm. there I remember when I first encountered vulnerability as the concept really meaningfully was August 2017 <laughs> I remember it vividly because I was on a on a that's so specific yeah well I was on a meekation in okay. <laughs> in Barcelona okay and I had taken a break out of London I was like oh, I'm so exhausted so I went to my friend's place in Barcelona for a week. And I was trying to stay away from all the typical gay man stuff. Yeah. So I deleted Grindr. I was just like, this is about me, me, me. <laughs> and so I downloaded like every episode of Oprah's Super Soul Conversations because oh, I'm wow. obsessed. Yeah. Anyway, I, so I had planned all these, you know, Barcelona is surrounded by all these amazing mountains and hiking trails. So every day I went on a different hiking trail. Wow. And I was hiking up towards um, Castle Montjuic and was listening to Brene Brown talk wow. about vulnerability. Yeah. And no, no word of a lie, I'm wearing my fedora, I've got my <laughs> straw fedora, I've got my shirt off, and I'm like mincing up this, this, up this mountain. And uh, <laughs> Brene, I get to the top, I'm at the castle, and I'm walking through the woods of the castle, and Brene Brown's, shame can't survive the light. If you put shame in a peach tree dish with darkness, it just grows exponentially. But if you bring it into the light, shame dies. And Liv, I cried my eyes out. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had my headphones in, oh. crying. I was like, you're so right. <laughs> shame can't That's survive the I light. Imagine, like, that setting as well. Like, what? Yeah. Is that real? Yeah, it was fucking wow. remarkable. And it was, and so I kind of went into mm. a deep dive into Brene Brown and vulnerability. Mm. And I was like, oh, I've got to be more vulnerable mm. in the first place and not be afraid to encounter myself. Mm. And so I was thinking about that when you were talking about what, 
you're you're I think you're effectively talking about what brings you joy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. These these little moments, yeah. the family, the love, the the connecting with people, the giving to people. And it made me think about how we encounter that, what we love within ourselves, mm-hmm. and then nurture that and do mm-hmm. more of that. I mm-hmm. think it it can be hard to remember who we are. Mm-hmm. At least that's mm-hmm. how I feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, are you someone that can spend quite a lot of time on your own? Is that? Yeah. Because yeah, I'm like so the opposite. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and one of the things I'm working on is I don't know if I'm an extrovert or an introvert. Mm. And I think I've spent so much of my life performing. Mm. Um, for attention. That's so interesting. That I'm not actually sure if I like it. <laughs> so, like, this weekend I was in Bristol and there's, like, a lovely friend of mine, a woman called Lisa, and, and she, and she's known me for, like, I don't know, maybe, like, five years now. She's just one of the most genuine, lovely people. Anyway, and she said, oh, you know, because, Liv, you're quite shy. And I was like, yeah, do you know what? I am, I am quite shy. But, you know, given the work that I do, if you'd met me like five years ago, I would have like been shitting myself at the prospect of like having to speak and to be mm. visible, right? Yeah. I don't, I, I just, she just made me remember the fact that, yeah, do you know, I actually am naturally quite like a shy person. I get nervous ab- about, about certain things, but I guess I've had to build up a tolerance or an ability to not feel that shy because a lot of the work that I do is quite public facing. Mm. And I, I just was like, no one who met me now would describe me as, I don't think would describe me as, as shy. And Sahila was like, yeah, you are quite shy. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. maybe I am quite shy. Yeah. Interesting. And I think also, like, shyness doesn't mean, um, you know, Saturnine. For, you know, yeah, it doesn't yeah, mean yeah. I like to sit alone in my room yeah. and just be on my own. I th- and the same with introversion and extroversion, right? It's like... Mm. Um, I, 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 I sometimes I enjoy solitude a great deal. I love reading books and exploring new ideas. Mm. But I also have love having two other people in the room with me and having those kind of conversations or being silly or drinking mm-hmm. a bottle of wine mm-hmm. versus kind of these huge big group settings, mm-hmm. right? Because I like the intimate, the intimacy of the connections that build between smaller groups of people. I, I'm much more of a small group of people. Mm. I'm that you know, that will have like, I've got two of my friends coming in for dinner on Sunday. Today I'm going to see one of my friends. That's how I like it. Mm. I like, yeah, that's good for me. It's so nice. So you when you get need to, to the dance publicly, when you yeah. have to put your tits and teeth on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So knowing what you know now, uh, yeah. what would you tell aside you know d- distinct from the letter that you wrote to yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. in response to your diary entries mm. knowing what you know now what would you tell yourself Mm-mm. your younger self either about the world or about yourself mm. well the world is messy <laughs> and you're not going to understand it yeah your drama will be and matched by the world time, around you. <laughs> you know the, the uk is going to be run by this silly man mm. but but no um aside from that what would i tell my um younger self i've i've been through just like so many i mean like as as is life ups and downs and twists and turns i had my periods when i was like 14 do you remember there was this that site called like bebo yeah where yeah, yeah. and then and then like all the boys in the schools i went to a girls school but the schools nearby they would do this thing which was like rough or buff and they'd like post your photos against other girls and i never i always came out so like low i always lost i always lost i was always put up next to like a mixed race girl and like with i don't know whatever texture hair and like i just was not i was not going to like i was not going to win the the rough buff um and and i had so many kind of like insecurities around like my blackness or, or who I was at that, like maybe it wasn't quite 14, maybe like tw- the 12 year old age when you're, you know, just kind of hitting 
puberty and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and that was deeply traumatic for me. Um, but I would like that live at that age when all of this confusing stuff was happening and you didn't feel desirable, you didn't feel like you were being accepted because you were, I don't know, a bit weird or, you know, wearing your, I don't know, baggy jeans and like chains or whatever. And, and that was like not perceived as, as what black buff. should be yeah. or, ba- or as buff. <laughs> yeah, literally you were rough in, in the eyes of the teenagers. Teenagers are, are stupid, not stupid. Teenagers aren't stupid, but uh, at that age, People can be cruel. People mm. can be so cruel. And I think it's important not to internalize, you know, mm. all of that. Not not to view what other young people are saying about you as true. Kids can be so mean. <laughs> mm. um, and then I guess when it comes to me segueing on a little bit and being a little bit older and being having these feelings around like sexuality and like figuring out who you are, I think... Um, I would say, again, not to internalize some of the the comments that that people might make or the lack of understanding and don't think that because one thing doesn't work, that's it. You don't have to shut yourself off from from, um, experiences and and opportunity. Um, And I would also say that it would be a really good idea for you to, if you're feeling lonely and you're feeling isolated, to, to read the words of like other black women who, who have come before you, who, who have articulated these experiences so so well. Mm. Um, don't wait until you're 20 to, to start delving into, into those texts and those words, you know? Knowledge is everything. Um, so yeah, don't internalize other people's poorly learnt behavior. Um, and 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 read be curious stay curious curiosity is great and you're gonna always be a curious woman (laughs) (laughs) and remain that way so to close i ask all of my guests the same question what do you hope for i hope for no brexit (laughs) (laughs) um um yeah (laughs) that's that that's it I hope for a, a revolution. I hope that the revolution is coming. My God, me too. <laughs> it's quite like a big, you know, mic drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, scary. And I hope I hope that people are waving print copies of Galdum on the front lines of that revolution. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for being here, Thank Liv. Thank you. Um, You're I'm fantastic. S- and this was so wonderful. Thank you. You're incredible. I'm so inspired by you. Oh, me too. Me too. It was really lovely to talk. Liv Little is the founder and CEO of Galdem. In the show notes, you'll find links to her work and I Will Not Be Erased, Galdem's anthology of letters to their teenage selves. Busy Being Black is the podcast exploring how we live in the fullness of our queer black lives. Thank you to our partners, UK Black Pride and Blackout UK, and to you, the listeners. Remember this, your support doesn't cost any money. Retweets, shares, ratings, and reviews all help, so please keep the support coming. Finally, thank you to Anthony Giles, a queer black Grammy-nominated producer based in New York City for these bomb-ass Busy Being Black beats. Ashe.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.